thankful for the word of the Lord. Praise God. Amen. And while they're bringing up number two, I'd like to take this opportunity for a special announcement and promotion of my own YouTube channel. <laughs> Talk to your congregational elder if you're interested in more teaching like this. I've got probably a dozen different teaching YouTube videos on prophecy. Not particular, not, none of these are out there. But if you're interested in drilling down into some of this stuff, um, it's available. And I would hope that if you watch it and you get something from it, copy and paste the link, stick it in your social media, and share it with all of your friends and family. If they get saved, they won't be mad at you about it anymore. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a different direction. Prophecy in parables. We'll get back to what we were discussing tomorrow. Jesus, to me, is the consummate teacher on every topic. And he taught prophecy in parables. And we're going to take a look at five of them right now. The wedding feast, the ten virgins, watchful servants, the great banquet, and a parable of the fig tree, not necessarily in that order. The wedding feast, Matthew 22, verse 1. Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. We go down to Luke 19.14, just to get some clarity on this part of that parable. Jesus said, now his own people hated him. So they sent messengers after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. The religious leaders in the time of Christ, they followed Jesus on Facebook and other social media of the day. And they didn't like his posts. And they sent people to sit in the crowds to hear what he had to say. And they didn't like his teaching. And they even sent some that would be considered spies to test him. And they came away confounded. And they said, never a man spoke like this man. And we don't like it. Because it goes against what we believe what we want, and what we feel. And there's a big threat that this man might be the Messiah. He might just be the king. And we think it's a bad choice. We vote no. And that's what Jesus is saying in this parable. He sent forth his servants, called them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. No. No, we're not going to go and follow Jesus. No, we will not be his disciples. No, we will not be baptized by Jesus or that John the Baptist. Not interested, thank you. And so Jesus continued the parable. Again, he sent forth 
other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I am prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fatlings are killed. All things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it. They went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. And so Jesus, at first, when he was here, walking among them, he said, hey, follow me. I'm the light of the world. And they said, we prefer darkness, thank you. And then he sent his other servants, the apostles, out. And how were they treated? It says in Acts chapter 5, And when the high priest and all his companion members of the local party, the Sadducees, became extremely jealous of the apostles, so they decided to take action. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. Not only did we not like Jesus, we don't like his company. We don't like the friends he keeps. We don't like anything about this Jesus. And we'd put him in jail to keep him off the streets. Back to the parable. And when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burnt up their city. Woo! God's mad. They not only have crucified the Lord of glory, but now Peter is in prison. And James they have killed. Stephen has been stoned. And that city of Jerusalem is going to be burned. And it was burned. The Romans came in 70 AD and destroyed the city. And all the people were taken captive. And the temple was dismantled. That's what the parable says. Then saith he unto his servants, the wedding is ready. Let's follow this. First he came himself. They wanted nothing to do with him. Then he sent his apostles. They threw him in the clink. But he still says, we're going to have a wedding, guys. I'm not giving up on this. They have killed my son. They have been horrible to my servants. But they're still welcome. But they which are bidden are not worthy. They're just not worthy. They count themselves unworthy of salvation. I'm too smart. I've got other things going. I can't be bothered. And so therefore, go therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. And so those servants went out into the highways and gathered together as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. Go out into the highways. I don't know where you were when Jesus found you, but I literally was on the highway, hitchhiking. And God got me on the highway. I don't know if you come under the classification, classification of the good or the bad. I was the bad. But he still took me. And maybe you see people out on the street and you think they're bad. 
And you know what God says? They're welcome. They're welcome. I literally stunk when I got saved. We'll just leave it at that. Hitchhike across the country, 10 days without a shower? Come on. The wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came to see the guests, okay, let's see who's coming in. And so there comes a time of examination. We're not at the wedding yet. We are standing in the vestibule, waiting to be called in. And so the king walked up and down the aisles, looking at who's expecting to go in the rapture, who's expecting to go into the kingdom, who's expecting to be caught up into the clouds. And he saw somebody that was attending church. They'd never gotten saved. I'm sorry. How dumb is that? I know people that pay their tithes and they haven't gotten saved. You're not going to buy a ticket. You're not getting in with your tithes. You're not getting in with your Sunday school attendance. You're not getting in with your good looks. He saw a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how comest thou hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And said the king unto the servants, This seems awful harsh. Bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That may seem harsh, but I'm just going to say it. I don't care if you're in this church. I don't care if you've been attending this church for years. If you're not saved, you're going to hell. And God still calls you friend. He still calls you friend. And honestly, if the high priest and the Sadducees and those that crucified Christ wanted to get saved, he still calls them friend. What kind of a God do we serve? But there are those, the hardness of their heart can sit through preaching after preaching, message after message, and they almost pride themselves, I'm not going forward to pray, I'm not going to get the Holy Ghost, not me, I'm not going to get baptized. Friend, 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 think that one through. For many are called, but few are chosen. I'm so thankful I've been called so thankful. I'm thankful for my ignorance that I didn't try to figure it out. I just got down on my knees and trusted, just trusted. Salvation is required. What have we learned from this parable? The kingdom of heaven is like a marriage, and the original guests rejected it. The original guest city was burned. Jerusalem was destroyed. And the banquet was filled by outsiders who joined. And Adam's attire is still rejected by God. After Adam sinned, he went out and made himself something not too different than this suit. Only it was made out of leaves. It was obviously green, unless it was in the fall of the year. 
God said, not going to do it. Not going to work. Let me make it for you. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. I don't need to keep going on that. I think I've said enough. Next parable. The parable of the fig tree. Not the fig leaf. The fig tree. Jerusalem was attacked and destroyed by Rome as prophesied. I got a typo there. As prophesied by Jesus in Luke 21. We just saw that. The temple was destroyed and dismantled as prophesied by Jesus in Matthew 24. We just saw that. The Jews were scattered all over the nations for the past 2,000 years as prophesied by Jesus in Luke 21. We'll look at that a little bit more later. Israel was restored and Jerusalem reclaimed by Israel 1948 as prophesied by Ezekiel. Israel is symbolically linked to the fig tree by Old Testament prophets. What I've tried to spell out here is a scenario that covers almost 2,000 years. Jesus said, destroy that city. And the Romans destroyed it. But he also said, it's not forever. And that is the parable of the fig tree. Jesus said, now learn the parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. You go into the garden and you take a look at the little things growing on the branches. And those are going to be apples. And those are going to be cherries. Brother Schoonover is here. He knows what I'm talking about. You know, when you look at the bud, you know the season. And when we look at the fig tree and we see that its branches are starting to put forth, we know the season. Summer is coming. That's what Jesus said. So likewise, when you see all these things, know that it is near, even at the door. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Jesus put a time frame on it. He said, when the fig tree starts to blossom, it's only got one generation. And Israel is that fig tree. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. If you're going to go and watch a show at a theater, there's typically going to be the main event. The main event of our generation is Israel has become a nation. And that is the blossoming of the fig tree. In 1948, Israel was restored. We don't have time to go into this, but if you go out to one of my YouTube videos, you will see that Ezekiel prophesied that Israel would be restored as a nation and he gave the numbers that if you calculate it out, it takes us to spring 1948. It's mind-boggling. These things are not done in a secret. It's there in the Bible. But as the show's getting ready to happen, there's going to be the setting of the stage. You're going to see different things showing up during that last generation that are a part of the big scenario. We're going to take a look at that tomorrow just a little bit. But 
These things, Jesus said, when you start to see these things come to pass, know that it's even at the door. Things are happening all around us, and we should be aware, but don't take your eyes off the nation of Israel. Luke 21. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let them which are in the midst of it depart out. Let not them which are in the countries enter therein too. Jesus told his followers, Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. Rome's going to destroy this city. And when you see these things coming to pass, get out of town. History tells us, and I'm not sure how accurate it is, but the Christians had already abandoned Jerusalem when the Romans attacked. They weren't there anymore because they had followed the advice of Jesus. Abandon ship. Leave the city. And if you're thinking about going back there, don't do it. And they left the city as the city was being destroyed. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them with child, to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. This people are the Jews. And it was the time of judgment because they would not follow Christ, but instead they rejected him and they shamefully entreated his servants. And the parable says destroy that city. And the city was destroyed. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, Jesus said, and shall be led away captive into all nations. That happened as we saw in the parable in 70 AD. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. The Jews were sent into all nations by the Romans. What's the largest Jewish city in the world? New York. Yeah. There's Jews everywhere. For almost 2,000 years, they were a people without a nation. And every year at Passover, they would always say, next year in Jerusalem. Next year in Jerusalem. And they went through horrible persecution. I mean, we, we could spend endless time talking about the pogums and, and how they lived so horribly under so many different cultures and so many different people like Hitler and so on and so forth. And all of this happened to them. Jerusalem was trodden down of the Gentiles. In other words, the Jews were not even permitted to be there. They couldn't own property there until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. What is the time of the Gentiles? And how has it been fulfilled, or is it being fulfilled? And is it tied in with Israel becoming a nation in 1948? We're going to spend more time on this tomorrow. This is the blossoming of the fig tree. Israel becomes a nation. This is that generation, and this is the generation that is seeing amazing things that all are pointing in one direction. The Lord's coming, and the devil has got a plan.
the ten virgins. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. It's another parable. Which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise. Five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Look at that lamp. It doesn't got any oil in it. But the other one, bubbling over. The wise, they took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose, trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, <clears throat> Can I borrow a little of that oil? Give me of your oil, for our lamps have gone out. This is a parable that Jesus gives us to understand that we, in waiting for that midnight cry, that we have to do certain things. First, we have to be wise. They that were wise took oil in their lamps. You got to have the Holy Ghost. You've got to have that oil. And if you don't, your fire will go out. I don't know of any other way to stay enthused year after year while we wait for the cry, come forth to meet him. I was just barely 20 years old when I got saved 50 years ago. I've been looking out my window every day. I remember driving to work, looking up at the clouds, waiting, waiting, waiting. Am I discouraged? Not at all. Not at all. How do I keep excited? Bubbling oil. Bubbling oil. It keeps me alive. It keeps me alive. The wise answered and said, I can't give you any. Lest there not be enough for us and you. But go out rather to them that sell and buy for yourself. And while they went their way to buy, the bridegroom came. They that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. That tells me that the door opened. That tells me that a call went forth. Come out! And that tells me that it was an inspection. And those that had oil and burning lamps were invited in. Oil and fire required. It's that important. It's that important. You say, well, what do I have to do? Go to them that sell. Don't come to me. Don't come to your elder and say, take care of me. This is personal. It's a personal salvation. It's a personal relationship with Christ. You have to do this with him. We'll do our best, anything we can. But we can't do it for you. And if you're lost, don't blame the church. It's your lamp. Amen? It's the parable. It's a parable. 
Prophecy and parables. The watchful servants and the great, the great banquet. We'll do these two together. Jesus said, let your loins be girt about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord. For he will return from the wedding. And when he cometh and knocketh, may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, he shall gird himself, make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. This is interesting. This, this parable is so interesting. Several things I'd like to bring out, but I'm not going to bring one thing out just now. He will serve them at his feast. Reminds me of the Last Supper, where he washed their feet. And this is not the humble servant in the likeness of a man. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords in the glory of heaven. And you know what it tells me? The nature of God is a servant. I can't hardly comprehend that. The nature of God. He did not play act to pretend to be a servant. He wasn't putting out a show. He wasn't just demonstrating. The nature of God is love. And love serves. Love sacrifices. Love is willing to hurt. Love cares more about you that it cares about itself. Love dies on a cross. He will serve them in the heavens. I, I just can't hardly comprehend that. And if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so, blessed are those servants. He's basically telling all of us, just keep watching and don't look at the clock. Don't worry about it. Don't be so concerned about, oh, boy, would this be a good time for him to come? Uh, I thought he was coming last summer and now it's winter and I'm just not going to church anymore. What were you thinking? Why do you think that God's timetable is tied to you? Now, I believe it's tied to the church, but it's not tied to you. Your job is to watch and to pray and evangelize this world. That's your job. And keep watching. And blessed are those servants. And know this, if the good men of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not suffered his house to be broken through. Be therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. It almost sounds negative at that point. It almost sounds negative. And I want to show you something here. Let's compare these two parables. It says concerning the ten virgins that they went to the marriage. They went to the marriage. But the washful servant, it says he's coming from the wedding. He's coming from the wedding. 
this is my understanding on this. God gives advice in the Bible to the good, to the bad, to the saved, and to the lost. He doesn't just love those that love him. He loves those that hate him. And I believe this parable is for those that ain't going to make it. They're not going to make it. And you know what Jesus is telling them? Don't give up. Don't give up. I have a lesson on YouTube concerning the gleanings in the harvest. When the harvest is done and the high priest blows the shofar, which he does at the end of the harvest, and he calls the workers in from the field, and he says, the day is done, the job is over, there's going to be still some stuff left in the field. And the gleaners will go out and try to pick it up. You don't want to be a part of that. But there's going to be those that do die for their testimony and their unwillingness to take the mark. If you find yourself missing the rapture, remember this parable. If you had known, if you had known. And then there's the great banquet. Then said Jesus unto him, a certain man made a great supper, and he bade many, chow down. And he sent his servants at supper time to say unto them that were bidden, come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground. I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. This is different than the wedding banquet. It sounds the same, but there's a lot of differences here. These are not the haters. These are the worldly. These are those that put things before the call of Christ in their life. I've got to get an education. I've got to put myself first. I've got time for God, but not now. I'm a young man. I'm a young woman. I want to get married first. I don't want to become a Christian until I marry the guy I like or the girl I like. And then... He's talking to you. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I got a nice car. I must go and prove them. I pray that you have me excused. And another said, I've just married a wife. I can't come. He's talking to the worldly. These aren't the haters. These are the lovers of themselves. Yeah, these are the lovers of themselves. It's got to be me. I got to do me. I'll get to God later. After all, I don't want to give him these years of my life. I'm young. A lot of adventure in front of me. I'll get to it. Maybe. Maybe. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. And the master of the house, being angry, said to his servants, Go out quickly into the streets, the lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, the maimed, 
the halt, and the blind. And you know what we would like? We would like our kids to be in church. You know what we would like? We'd like our families to be in church. You know what we would like? We would like the people we love to be in church. But if they won't come, we're not going to save a seat for them either. We'll fill the house. We have to fill it with homeless people. There's nothing wrong with homeless people. The only problem with homeless people is they're homeless. Fill it with drug addicts. There's nothing wrong with a drug addict. The only problem with a drug addict is drugs. Same with drunk. <laughs> the only problem with them is get them away from the bottle. They'll clean up. I've known a lot of people that were a mess when they came to Jesus. And it's interesting that so often those that you would think would be in the church because they're raised in the church give up their seat to the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it's done as thou hast commanded. There's still room. Well, not hardly in this building. What pick such a little building for? <laughs> we fill an auditorium. There's still room. The Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And this is where we are today. This is exactly where we are in the plan of prophecy and in the scope of the work of the church. We need to start compelling people. You gotta. You gotta come to church. You gotta hear the preacher. You gotta come to church. You gotta feel the Holy Ghost in your life. You gotta come to church. You gotta take this Bible study. You gotta listen to what I've got to say. You've got to get serious. I was looking at social media the other day, and I'm not going to name names, but this woman, she's been apostolic, Pentecostal, not from this district, for longer than me. And she went to general conference, and she was talking about the spirit of God was such there that she found herself out in public in a public place, like a restaurant, witnessing to someone she didn't know. Now, listen to what I'm going to say here. She said, I had never done that before. Are you kidding? I had never. She's been in this for 70 years. I had never done that before. I found myself moved by the Holy Ghost to where I went and talked to someone I didn't know. And I started to tell them about Jesus. If you've never told anyone about Jesus, you're fighting it. You're fighting it. And it's time for you to get past that in your life because we are in the age of compelling. Brother. Why don't you talk to the Lord right there where you are right now?
Well, we received a lot of the word tonight that is spoken to us. Well, why don't you talk to him? In the name of Jesus, give us a heart, Father, that matches that which you are speaking to us by your word. A rearrangement of our priorities, Father, putting you in your proper place as King of kings and Lord of lords. Our eyes open to the world about us and their need of you. This treasure that we have in earthen vessels, that our mouths would be opened, that our lives would declare your goodness and your grace, O Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let our own lives be examined in the light of the word and your soon return. Let our own lives be examined in the light of the gospel. Our light burning, Father. Our lamps filled with oil and in the compelling of others of this hour and your love for them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Well, maybe you're here tonight and you're wanting to make sure your heart is in right relationship with God. I'd like to open this altar to you this evening. Maybe you'd like to come. There will be those that would be glad to pray with you. But you're wanting to come and say, Lord, I want to make sure my lamp is full of oil. I want there to be a fire burning in my spirit. I want to recommit, Lord. I want to submit to your leading and drawing upon my life. Come on, don't wait on somebody else. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, why don't we stand across this room? In the name of Jesus. We seek you, Lord. We seek you, Lord. On the Spirit of the Lord is drawing upon a heart. Don't wait on somebody else. Would you respond to him where you are? Respond to him. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. God, I've gotten cumbered with the cares of life and I need to get things back in order. I've gotten distracted by things and your word has come to me clear tonight. I don't want to be putting you in second place. I don't want to be excusing myself from the calling of God. I don't want to be excusing myself from what you're asking of me. I come in submission to you. This is personal between you and I, Lord. stand here and say maybe tomorrow night Lord, if the spirit of the Lord is beckoning you I'm urging you respond to him the Lord is present to minister to your soul tonight he can refill you or fill you for the first time with the gift of the Holy Ghost here tonight in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus